That's such a sobering account. Every time I read again of the crucifixion of Jesus and we come to this season of the year, I'm reminded not simply of the fact that he died, but why he died. That's the question I want to explore with you this morning. Why was Jesus crucified? I'm assuming you accept as a fact of history that he died. And perhaps you use the phrase, well, he died for our sins. But, but what does that mean? Let me tell you my story. And I hope it will, in, in fact, explain this to you. You see, I was alive at the same time as Jesus. I was the member, I'm not that old. I was a member of a militant revolutionary group. Our determination was to overthrow the Romans. We would do whatever it took to get rid of them. We hated the Romans who occupied our country. I think, in fact, we hated everyone. We, we were terrorists, and everything that we mean today when you hear the word terrorist, that, that's what we were all about. Violence, killing. We didn't have bombs in those days, but if we could, we would have used them. The irony is that Jesus was actually far more of a revolutionary than I was. He stirred up the establishment. He argued with traditional authority. But he also did good. He raised the dead, they said. I didn't believe that, but he healed the sick. He was feeding the hungry. People tried to tell me he was the Messiah. The one promised long ago to Israel to deliver them but as far as I was concerned, if Jesus was the Messiah, he would be with me, doing what he could to get rid of the Romans. Now, the first time I actually saw Jesus was on this day that you call Palm Sunday. Thousands of people had come to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover, and they were actually welcoming him in as a king. Well, that was Strange, he was an ordinary man. Nevertheless, I used that opportunity to slip into the city unnoticed, determined that I would do some kind of harm, and sure enough, by, by Tuesday, I'd gathered enough help to start a riot. No particular reason, we were just going to create trouble. And we did. And in the midst of the riot that was going on, I saw over there a man who clearly was a Roman government official. And I walked over to him, pulled out my dagger as I had done before, and stabbed him over and over and over, and turned to disappear into the crowd. But this time, a group of Roman soldiers who'd come to quiet the riot caught me. They were strong, and I was no match for them. I fought, I kicked, I screamed, yelled all of my slogans, but it didn't make any difference. They had me. And they dragged me off on the way to the fortress. Jesus was very much the center of attention at that Passover time. But nevertheless, the word got out that Barabbas, the robber, had finally been captured. 
They took me to the fortress where the governor from Rome, whose name was Pilate, held court. And I think my trial lasted about 10 minutes. He heard who I was. He heard what I'd done. And he pronounced that I would die for my crime. That was the end of it. And they took me to the dungeon and threw me in. And there I was. You know, I could strut and say all my slogans and do everything I wanted to do. It didn't make any difference. Nobody could hear me. Nobody bothered. And for the first time, I, I almost think for the first time in my life, I had to start facing up to myself. I would die. You know, I was talk big. Of course, I'm ready to die for the cause. But now I was actually going to die. And I thought about that man that I had just killed. I suspect he had a wife and children. What would life be like for them? I was having to look at myself, and I didn't like what I saw. But it was too late now. I'd been playing sort of a game, you know, and now I was the loser. Friday, they told me, was the day that I would die. And I just had to wait. Well, Thursday morning... They took me out, along with two other prisoners who'd been captured with me, and they took us into the courtyard, and they made us stand there and watch as they nailed together our crosses. Now I knew how I would die. You see, the Romans had many ways of executing criminals. Some were very quick, and some were very cruel. And the cruelest way of all was crucifixion. They actually put you on a cross and made you hang there for as long as it took because the weight of your body was just dragging you down all the bones in your uh, joints would be pulled out and you just have to suffer I've, I've watched men hanging on a cross for days begging people to just come and kill them to get it over with and the Romans would laugh and say no, we're going to make an example of you I didn't want to think about it, but I couldn't help but wonder if they would decide to do what they wanted to do when they would torture people the most. And that was to literally put nails into your hands and feet and nail you to the cross. I shuddered to think. But that's how I would die. And they took me back threw me back into prison, and I waited. Oh, I wanted that day to last as long as it possibly could. But toward the end, of course, the sun went down, and it became night. And I tried to sleep my last night on earth, but I couldn't sleep. What's the point anyway? You're going to die. 
Thy waited. And sometime during the night, it was actually very early in the morning before the sun actually started to come up, I heard outside of my cell soldiers moving back and forth and back and forth. Something was going on. And just as the sun was coming up, I couldn't actually see out of my cell, but there was kind of a ventilation portal at the top. And light was just beginning to come in. And I heard going down the street an angry mob getting louder and louder and and gathering somewhere inside the fortress. And then suddenly they all quieted down as a single voice spoke to them. And then as with one voice, the crowd screamed out my name, Barabbas! 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 We want Barabbas! Think with me about what that meant. I I knew that they'd heard of me, but why such anger? Well, the voice quieted them down again. Oh, I wanted to hear what it was saying. But it was yelling out to them. And all of a sudden, again, with a single voice, they started screaming, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! Quiet again. And then again, Crucify him! Crucify him! Now I was terrified. Why? Why me? I know I'd committed a crime. I was guilty. I was supposed to die. I'd done the wrong thing. But they were treating me as though I was the most evil man who had ever lived. And all I could do was wait. I had to I, I reckoned with the fact that from my boyhood I remembered the rabbis saying God was holy and just. And he would never leave sin unpunished. Well, that was always good when somebody else was the sinner. But now I was realizing it was true. And I was paying for the crime that I had committed and all the other crimes that nobody else knew about. God was holy and just. I I tried to pray. But what could I say? Because what was happening to me would surely be the will of God. All I could do was wait. And I suppose an hour later, I heard the tramping of those soldiers once again. And the door into the prison opened, and I heard them come in. And they went to the first door and opened it, and got the prisoner, dragged him out, screaming. And they went to the second door, opened it up, dragged him out. And then my door opened, and the captain of the guard stepped in, and he said, Barabbas, you're free to go. And he left. And if you think I was confused before, what about now? Were they simply going to turn me over to that screaming mob so they could tear me apart? So I actually sat in that cell and slowly made my way out 
and looked around and nobody was bothering me. And I walked out to the door of the prison and no one was bothering me. In fact, I noticed everyone moving toward Golgotha, they called it, which is the place of execution. And I turned the other way and I ran out the other door, is, uh, the direction as fast as I could possibly go. I dodged down alleys, I jumped over fences, I ran along rooftops. I went here, I went there, everything I could do to get away from those who were pursuing me. I saw an, a gate going out of the city. I ran through it as fast as I have ever moved in my life. And I ran and I ran and I ran until I was simply exhausted. I found a hill that I could go to and I climbed to the top to see how close they were behind me. And there was no one coming. And as I caught my breath, I listened again to what that guard had said to me. Barabbas, you are free. Could he have meant it? Could I actually be free? Now, if I'd had any sense, I would have just kept going and disappeared into the wilderness. But there was a sense of tragedy in the air that I, that I couldn't escape. And I slowly worked my way around the edge of the city until I came to a hill. They called it Calvary. And on top of that hill was a formation that looked like a skull. That's where the name Golgotha came from. I knew it was the place of execution. And against my better judgment, I just couldn't help myself. I had to get closer to see what was happening. And as I drew near... The first surprise I had was that instead of the two crosses that I expected, there were still three crosses. And I recognized that that center cross was the one that had been built for me. And do you know who was hanging on my cross? It was Jesus. He was so beaten and bloody, I could barely recognize him, but I knew that was Jesus. Hanging on my cross. I was the criminal. I was the one who should have died. I broke the law. I deserve justice. And I was free. And Jesus was hanging. On my cross. I will never understand it. But that day was my freedom. Not only from the crime that I'd been judged for, but to be honest, the, the prison I'd made for myself, a prison of hatred and violence and Greed. I, I sensed within me that I had a whole new life opened before me. And it was all because of Jesus who hung in my place. I could do nothing that day but fall down and worship that man hanging on my cross. Well, I hope you don't mind my taking some liberties with the story of Barabbas.
I think it's close to what would have happened. But I, I, it's my prayer this morning that you will remember Barabbas. Perhaps by my telling it this way, it will just kind of embed itself into your heart. Why is this so important? It's important because Barabbas, my friends, was our representative at the scene of the cross. If you want to see yourself, don't think in terms of those Roman soldiers or the apostles who abandoned Jesus or the women. But I want you to think of Barabbas. And in fact, if you want to understand what it is to become a follower of Jesus, say to yourself simply, yes, I am Barabbas. That was my cross that he hung on that day. Interestingly enough, and I would encourage you to do this during this holy week, but one of the great exercises that we can do is actually read through the gospel accounts. You know, there are four of them, four different writers told the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you read the biblical uh, gospels, there are actually relatively few incidents that are mentioned in all four of the writers. For example, the birth of Jesus is only mentioned twice. But when you look, what you will discover is that all four writers of the Gospels mention this seemingly minor character named Barabbas. Now, when you're willing to say, I am Barabbas, think about this. You're really making two statements about yourself. First of all, you are saying, I'm the one who deserves to die. I'm the one who should be judged. I'm the sinner. Perhaps that doesn't mean you're some kind of evil criminal, but as you stand before God, you're saying, I'm the one who deserves to be punished for my sin. Now, to get to that place is very, very significant. Sometimes we have to be beaten up pretty bad before we'll take it seriously. It's always good to say, those people are sinners, or this is a world full of evil. But to say, I'm the sinner, it's a huge step. But if you're at that place, you can then also say, but, but I also believe that Jesus Christ, God's own Son, hung on my cross. I believe that. I trust in that. And that, my friend, is the very heart of the gospel. That's where you start. Oh, of course there's more. We'll talk about, well, the resurrection next week and all that that implies. But here's where you start. I am Barabbas. Before I close this morning, uh, let me just tell you two stories tied in with this. Um, I've preached this sermon before, I have to confess. It's not the first time I've done this, but it has seemed to have impacted people over the years so significantly that I've felt encouraged to preach it over and over. One of the pieces, when I told you my own story a couple of weeks ago, 
that I left out is the fact that I was a pastor in the Washington, D.C. area, a church called McLean Presbyterian Church. I was there for 30 years in the same church, which gave me a chance to kind of walk with people through their own journeys. And at one point, there was a, a couple who started coming to the church named The Hills, Ruth and Eldred Hill. When you sat and chatted with him, you feel like this is some kind of country boy. I suppose he was, but the fact is he had done very, very well and had a, was quite accomplished in his particular area of expertise, something to do with insurance. But I still remember that after a few weeks and I got acquainted with them, uh, Eldred uh, looked at me and he said, Steve, he said, do you mind if I, if I come to your church even though I'm not going to join? He said, my wife Ruth is a, a Presbyterian, as he would put it, and she loves this church and she wants to be here. I have gone to church often on most of my life, but I just can't believe. I just can't believe. But do you mind if I come? Well, of course, I said, we're glad to have you come. And week after week, the hills would be in church. I'm sort of looking over this way because I still in my mind see them sitting there. Um, and one Sunday, I, I decided to preach this sermon on Barabbas, just the way you heard it this morning, more or less. And it was, I guess you can only say it was God's moment for, for Eldred. And as he heard the sermon on Barabbas, his heart was opened. And he gave his life to Christ. He just believed. I didn't know it at the time. Of course, all this is things I learned later on. That's a wonderful story in itself. He was genuinely converted listening to this message about Barabbas. But the story goes on because he went home. And he was so impacted by this story of Barabbas, he told it practically word for word to his son who was at home. Eldred Jr., who, I found out, was the head of a bluegrass band. And immediately Eldred turned it into a song called Barabbas. And in fact, Barabbas, I don't know if any bluegrass fans out here, but Barabbas won the Bluegrass Gospel Song Award for like 1986 or some, something back in those days. And it became the signature song of their band. Everywhere they would go, they would sing Barabbas. So I have no idea how many thousands of people heard the story of Barabbas. I'm still waiting for some royalties. <laughs> but I haven't seen a nickel of that yet. But there's even more to the story. Because we left uh, McLean in 1997 to, to come up here for the ministry that I was doing here. But I still kept in touch with the Hills. Eldred was growing in his faith, as well as growing older. And uh, we would get together from time to time. But he was failing in his health. And uh, not too many years ago, I had a call from Ruth. And uh, she said, uh, Steve, Eldred just passed away. And both of us would like you to come and do his funeral, if you'd be willing. And I said, I'd love to. But I said, Ruth, you know, if I come, I'm going to have to tell the story of Barabbas. And she said, that's why we want you to come. <laughs> and so that was the funeral, just to give Eldred's testimony of how he became a believer in Jesus. And then they closed out the service by reassembling the band. It's called Patent Pending. 
And we finished the funeral service by singing Barabbas. And the last line of that song, actually, I, I guess you can hear it online at some point, but the last line of the song uh, really says, and you are Barabbas too. But briefly, just one other story. Um, a few years after that, I was invited to speak for a Maundy Thursday service at a local church nearby. <clears throat> and so I thought, well, this would be an appropriate message to bring. And so I planned to speak on Barabbas. And as the people were gathering, I noticed a family coming up the center aisle with, with several of their children, one of whom was a, a teenage boy or a young teenage boy, I think, who was very obviously handicapped both uh, physically in the way in which he walked and limped up the center aisle, but also mentally. Well, they took their seat and participated in the service. And I proceeded to preach the message that, again, you just heard. And if, you're, if you'll recall, sort of the, the high point is when Barabbas shows up at the scene of the crucifixion and he looks at the three crosses and he says, and do you know who was hanging on my cross? And I paused. And that young boy screamed out at the top of his lungs, It was Jesus! Well, the parents were humiliated. But I wanted to weep. A simple-minded boy got it. He got the gospel. And I know we've got all sorts of sophisticated people in here this morning and students and scholars and all that good stuff. But in the most simple, basic way, I want to ask you this morning, do you get it? That Jesus hung on your cross. That's all I'm asking. Do you get it? And now we have an extraordinary opportunity for you to give testimony to that faith. As he was leaving, our Lord Jesus left us a simple meal. It's this communion that we're now going to enjoy. And the more I've thought and reflected on, the, on this communion meal, the more I appreciate what an extraordinary uh, gift it is and how many different ways you can understand it and apply it. But here's what I want you to do and understand today. If you come and receive this meal, it is your way of saying, I do get it. I'm not worthy. I don't know why he loved me as he did, but I do believe that I am the sinner for whom Jesus died. And it wasn't simply that he died on the cross for sins, but he died on the cross for my sins. And I'm free. And I receive my freedom in Jesus Christ. If that's your testimony this morning, then come and testify in a physical way. You see, the, the great thing is we're not simply 
thinking about the death of Christ. You're not looking at it. You're going to take, just uh, nothing's going to happen. It, it's simply bread. But you're going to take a piece of bread, dip it in the wine, and eat it. Right? You're going to receive it into your very being as a way of bearing witness to the fact that this is my hope of salvation, of freedom, of forgiveness. I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we pray?